0: Hello, I'm Carrie Gard and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. It's
1: been talked about a lot about security um, skills shortage, but there's a net negative uh, unemployment, right? In security professionals, there's more openings than there are people.
0: Today, I'm joined by Matt Hathaway. You may remember Matt as he joined our live roundtable where we discuss what it means to put your audience first. I asked Matt to join that conversation because of this one. Here, Matt and I discuss how to clearly and simply communicate what problems you solve and why you're the best at doing it. He makes it sound so easy. God, he makes it sound so easy. But we all know that while there is beauty and simplicity, it's a lot of work to get there. And Matt breaks it down for us. Before we clearly articulate how to create simple messaging, a little bit about Matt. Matt Hathaway is obsessed with establishing trust between security professionals and their potential vendors. He would never join a software company that didn't understand and address real security problems. So his mission is to help the technically innovative find the security professionals who are sick of false promises. He joined TrueFort because the founders identified the gaps in their own data center environment and built a platform that analyzes all activity and easily automated response in any application runtime environment. Grab a pencil, folks, grab a pencil, grab a notebook, or maybe you like to take notes on your computer, wherever you need to jot things down so you don't forget, make sure you have that on hand, because here's my conversation with Matt. Hi, Matt. Thanks for joining me on Tea Time Tech Marketing Leaders.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: I'm excited to have you. I'm excited for our conversation. Before we get there, share your story with us, Matt. What do you do and how did you get there?
1: Yeah, so I'm the chief marketing officer at a company called TrueFort. Um, We're in cybersecurity with a focus on uh, protecting data center in the cloud. Um, And uh, I came a very unusual path to marketing. Um, I was an engineer for about five years after college um, computer engineer um, I then got into product management <clears throat> by way of uh, essentially an invention that, that we later patented for a company called RSA and uh, I've been in security ever since so about 15 years um, did a lot of time in product management primarily focused on spending time directly with customers and end and users and really getting to understand um, what their challenges were, how they tried to manage an overall security program, and uh, continued to move more and more toward the, uh, the buying path and working with sales from there. And eventually, here I am uh, leading a, a marketing team and, uh, and and really taking advantage of exactly what I learned, spending so much time on the phone and uh, in actually in the office with those security professionals.
0: Fifteen years—that's I. I feel like the industry is just sort of really taking off. So you've you've seen some things. What? How has the security industry sort of evolved since you began?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny to think back to um, RSA conference and Black Hat are the two really big annual events. Um, and I remember it feels like there were like 50, maybe a hundred vendors then, and now it's six, seven, 800 vendors every year. So it hasn't just exploded and everybody's doing the same thing. It's more, there are a couple of key areas like endpoint protection and and SIM that have been there the whole way. And they've you know had second and third iterations of the same technology of adapting it to new kinds of uh, tech, to new Infrastructure you're securing, as well as new types of attacks, but in the middle, there's all these different kind of uh, areas and sub-markets and and, and new problems to address and and new types of solutions out there. And uh, especially as so many companies have started migrating to the cloud, um, it's a whole new type of attack surface to protect, uh, a new type of technology to adopt, it's just continuing to uh, to get very confusing for a lot of people, right? Um, they they have to say, you know why why does the all the software I already have, why isn't it not protect? you know what what more does my team need day to day and how do we manage all of it has actually become bigger and bigger managed services um, approach because it's just overwhelming um, the the amount of Amount of tools to implement, the amount of people to hire—it's—it's um, it's a big change because you know it's, it was originally thought of it as you know you just need to have security. It's not something that people generally want, but now it's very much actually moving into sometimes a company can differentiate because they have the best security and and uh, and you know their end customers can feel safer.
0: So you're saying that companies actually need to build out full teams dedicated to just security. Like that's been the yeah. big shift in the last.
1: Yeah. I mean, to manage all of the, the tools they need. Um, yeah. In in some, some organizations, enterprises, you know, the world's largest banks, they have hundreds of people just in security and uh, all day, every day trying to continue to, Take the tools, build what they need on top of it. There's a lot of software developers in security organizations that, that are that size, just so that they can make sure it fits their organization. Because every company has a slightly different network, slightly different tech that they've you know given to their end users, and that makes them you know differentiated in the customer experience. So it's um, there's that, and then there's the companies that simply can't afford it, and they have you know maybe one person. Trying to do security and, and finding a way to augment with, yeah, with managed services externally and uh, finding other experts elsewhere to to do it for them because either they can't hire because it's such a competitive market um, and and it's been talked about a lot about security um, skills shortage but the reality is that there's um, there's a net negative uh, unemployment, right. And security professionals, there's more openings than there are people to fill them.
0: Is that because there's like just a basic skills gap of like, there hasn't been time spent in training people up, or is it because the technology is changing so rapidly that new skills come into play all the time where there's opportunity, but not necessarily the people yet.
1: It's definitely a combination of both. Um, it's kind of like, uh, So my own father became a programmer in the 70s and nobody was going to school to be a programmer. So he was a part of that 10, 20 year gap where software programmers were just picked out of the factory or somewhere else in the company. And that's kind of where security has been for a while. And I think it's about the last five years only that there started to be master's programs and other educational programs to become a security professional. But before that, it was, you know, somebody in IT was curious enough, interested enough, and made that transition. And uh, we're still, you know, we're going to see that for a while, I think. And then, and then yeah, there are new skills all the time. Um, 10 years, 15 years ago when I got into it, you would never hear somebody talk about writing scripts at, in a security job. They're primarily managing tools and working with the rest of the organization. And now almost every security professional I know has a basic Python skill set and, and, and other types of scripting languages. And, and it's often in a job description to say, do you know, you know, which, which languages do you know? And, um, it's so it's, it's difficult to find that diversity of candidates and in, in enough of them.
0: It's interesting that you talk about your father in engineering, because I've been learning that they actually teach languages in schools now. Like they have mandatory computer programming classes where you learn how to write code, which is so cool. And I wish I was going to school now and then that was offered to me. Um, so I imagine that next, you know, it'll make its way first into universities. And then, you know, you know, as said, they decide to be engineers they'll have some diversity in terms of like what kind of engineer they want to be in cybersecurity, I'm sure will be a uh, something they can study. They'll have to, it's huge. Complex, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that's the current challenge you're facing, or for you specifically, Matt? I know you talk a lot about your buyers' problems, but for you specifically, is this the the challenge you're also facing, or is there or is there something else that's keeping you up at night? Um.
1: Yeah. I mean, for on the on the vendor side, I think our challenges are actually very different. It's it's more it's it's a lot more of helping those security professionals that are employed, that are in these roles and are trying to protect their organization, helping them understand what they need versus, um, there's a lot of, it's not even fluff, but there's a lot of um, over-promising in the security industry. And they've heard it for a long time of, you know, if if you just bought this, it's the only thing you need. And uh, we're kind of competing with that and just trying to communicate, all right, you have 75 things you need, here's the one we solve for you, or here's the five or whatever it is. And just to be concise with it and to be um, trusted, first of all, trustworthy, um, to say like, this, these are things we can solve. We don't do those others. Here's you know partners we have that, that do that. Here's technologies we integrate with to, to help you because there's no silver bullet, no matter what some companies tend to promise. And there's so many startups that some of them that's their way that they try and get in is they tell you this is all you need, and a few companies fall for it and then get burned. Um, mm-hmm. and they don't have the money to, you know, buy what they really truly need. And there's a, you know, there's that foundational, and then there's as the as the security program matures, they need more and more as they change what they're doing as a company and grow and, and shift to the cloud, it, it they continue to have to figure out. All of these, all these acronyms out there. Um, which ones are the ones I need now? Which ones are, are for later? Which are nice to have? That's the real challenge we face um, in, the, in the vendor side. And, and what I really think is, is our job as marketers in in security is to is to clearly communicate in the words that that buyer uses that on the job every day. You know, what are they planning for and budgeting for, and what have they promised? leadership and, and the board because it's become a board conversation security what if they promise them this is the thing we need this year. year's number one priority and how do we identify and tell them your priority is something we do um and not you know not get into that kind of noisy confusion of you know, you can you can buy anything. This is the only thing you should buy, and it just doesn't do. It doesn't help anybody. But um, companies still continue to do it.
0: I imagine as that company coming in, who wants to be trustworthy and who who doesn't want to just promise the world like yourself, and you're talking about this audience now being skeptical, given mm-hmm. the snake oil they've essentially been sold. How, how yeah. do you break those barriers down? How how do you get to that conversation of like, listen, we wanna help you get what you need. So let's figure that out together. Like, but you got, yeah. I, I imagine you can't just open with that one liner and yeah. have a great conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean, thankfully um, the process of, you know, search engine optimization and, you know, top of funnel questions that people have have kind of naturally gone toward the building trust. Um, you know, it, there was a time where if you bought the most Google ads, you'd move up and, on results for when somebody searches organically, but they Google stopped that. And, and it's good because a lot of a lot of building that trust is being the place they go for what some people call a learning center. Everybody has a different name for it on their website, but essentially... Um, what is cloud workload protection would be a relevant one for us. And, you know, that that's somebody a year and a half, two years from buying something. But if they find your website and it helps them understand and really, you know, identify, oh, this is the thing we need and we got to put it in planning and next year we'll make a purchase, but then they'll come back to your site and you become more trustworthy and you get, you know, you build up Google's trust as well. And then more and more people will find your site and, and reach there and, and just come back. And it's the best you can do. And, and that and, and some simple things like, you know, there's I mentioned a couple of events. There's a ton of events every year. I found that the first question people ask, if you're not um, communicating clearly, they'll walk up to your booth and they'll ask everybody there, what do you do? So you just need to use plain, simple terms on the booth. It's not, you know, don't create buzzwords, don't call yourselves, you know, next gen, 2.0, whatever, but just articulate, we do this, we do this, we do that. And it's, you know, common terms and use cases that they might identify with. And then they'll come up and they'll say, why are you better at cloud workload protection, as I mentioned, or why are you better at micro segmentation? these are things that we do. And if you don't use those terms on the booth, then again, you're just, nobody will ever stop by and they'll never try and understand and uh, and start to get that trust and say, oh yeah, I've, I've heard of you. I know this company. Um, I've been meaning to try and understand more and I'd like to see a demo. <laughs>
0: Make it sound so easy. Um, <laughs> oh. I, I mean, there's a ton of work. That goes into even just that same simple language. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine like starting with a, a brand study, essentially, but like taking something so complex as cybersecurity and specifically around the problems you solve, and then doing two. I heard you do say two things: one is you simplify the language, but you also talk in in the language of your customers of what have how they're yeah. talking about it every day. So. How do you even begin? You you spend a ton of time with your customers, so it sounds like you have a good handle on that. And then, do you bring that to your brand team, your brand strategy team? Say, okay, like, what's our messaging here? And then you you push that down through the company so everybody's saying the same thing.
1: Yeah, ideally, it, it becomes something that um basically you work with the entire leadership team to agree on what is it we do, and use that to build your overall. High-level positioning statements and say, you know, this is how we're different from and you know the acronym soup I mentioned. But there's just so many different types of tech, and and as I said, if you can't if you can't delineate why you're not um, endpoint protection, which we are far from, um, then the buyer's never going to. So you have to get agreement on, at least on the leadership team across the entire exec team of the company. If you can't get that agreement, nobody will ever say the same words and come off and, and, you know, have the same, I won't say pitch, but overall language, like what is it you do? And then you can build, you know, everything from, you know, central messaging docs to uh, it, the framework to a messaging map and, you know, your boilerplate that, that you use everywhere. All of that is is much easier once you've established and agreed as a as a leadership team of what is it you do. And then that becomes something that people repeat it goes into the standard you know first meeting sales deck it becomes a, a key part of how you build website content and, and everything else um, but it, it you know it, nobody's going to repeat it if they disagree so you, you need to get leadership to all walk through that exercise and and have that healthy debate over what is it we actually don't do um, because you also have to contend with, um, you're also marketing to investors. That's just the reality of the vast majority. Um, there are those rare privately owned security companies, but the vast majority of, of vendors, you're you're either VC or some other type of investment and, and they don't want to hear, hey, we're just vulnerability management because that's an established space, And it's like, okay, but you got to be more than that. So you have to have a compelling story that works for the investors and shows them that you know you have differentiation, you are cutting edge and doing more. But also, if if you invent terms and only use those, then the buyer's not gonna come running for the you know, a bunch of words they've never heard of.
0: Yeah, messaging. So I I just love how you were talking about being clear. And I wanted to, I feel like there's a lot more standardization around the fact that companies need a brand strategy, but I, the approaches that people are taking are interesting and, um, relatively the same, but slightly different. And so it's nice to share how you come at it, uh, which I think is yeah. really helpful, especially when talking about the leadership team. Um, cause I feel like sometimes we, you know, especially as marketers, we tend to treat ourselves like islands and take it all along and decide that we're yeah. going to figure it out. And it's just nice to be reminded that, you know, like, you're not yes. an island and there was a bunch of people who started this thing and like start with them, figure out why they started it and uh, get on the same page and then go from there. I think. It's
1: yeah. More. And that's it's one reason I chose the current my current organization, um, having leadership that has familiarity with overall security space coming. You know, they were they came from that role. They were they were much more the, the buyer in the past than they were the vendor. Um, and also being a part of the the go-to-market, the revenue org. Like we are broken into revenue. Um, marketing isn't on an island. We're a part of the sales organization. Um, I, I think it's really important so that you don't hear the normal complaints you hear at some companies where sales says, "Well, marketing doesn't do anything for me. They didn't send me any leads today." And it's like well, yeah. there's a lot more that they're doing for you.
0: Yeah, messaging is key. It's key to, to sales and sales being successful. So having that out of the gate, having everybody saying the same thing, being very clear about what your niche is and why you're different in that. Yes, to all of that. Let's go back to your go back to the buyer, because I think yeah. what's interesting about the buyer in this day and age of what's happening is the market is clearly exploding from everybody realizing they need cybersecurity and that mm-hmm. they have to get started but to your point, there's a wide variety of people who can't afford it to enterprise or trying to figure out what their budget is. So like, you know, it's much easier to sell something to people who have like marketers and MarTech, right? Is probably a really great example of this where probably Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, we didn't have marketing budgets specifically for tools and MarTech where now that's just like baked in.
1: (laughs) That's just- sizable portion, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. And it has to be and i and i'm sure security will get there but as it stands right now do companies generally have a budget that they have in mind and they know what they need or is it triggered like what is the what's the framework and setup of these organizations who are like trying to figure out how to get started with
1: security I, i'm so glad you asked that because it's it's actually a, a bizarre obsession of mine when i talk to industry analysts um when i talk to our own very successful sales reps, the the thing I don't want to, it's a, you know, it's, it's key for sales to understand a buying trigger, like what gets them to the, okay, we'll, we will sign a contract, right? We went through a proof of value. We went through all the process, but for me, the trigger I want to know about is what made them realize they need to budget and acquire something to do this. And it's usually one of two areas in security. One is, a regulator or a cyber insurance company or somebody like that says you need the following tools if you want to pass an audit or be insured and that's actually becoming more and more common um there's always been things like pci regulation which is key to process any credit card data so that was a big driver for years but that only hits you know 10 20 percent of companies but now with you know these major ransomware outbreaks and other types of breaches that are constantly they they're they don't discriminate. They'll hit any company, anyone that they can. Um, that's becoming a bigger thing for companies to get cyber insurance. And so they want to they want to get it and they can't qualify if they don't make sure they have the key five, 10 different technologies deployed and and staff around them. Um, the other side is just when a company is just security minded um, they've committed to be um, at the cutting edge um, the most secure the company you can trust this is a lot of companies that do this are already regulated but they're you know banks that have advertisements out there that you can trust them with your data and, and things like that 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 security minded org actually usually, justifies budget years before um, you know regulation catches up or cyber insurance catches up. And they're just literally saying they, they can't sleep at night if they, you know, hey, for us to perform better and, and be a competitive company, we need more and more of the latest technology running in the cloud. But, you know, what we've had already for tools won't secure that. So we got to go out and find it. And, you know, those are the early adopters. Those are, you know, any classic business book you, you read about um, the challenge of innovation. Finding those early adopters is great, but you know you, you want to get more and more people into the mainstream if you're going to be able to sell your cutting edge technology to them.
0: So the tri- so triggers are insurance, trust messaging. Is there anything else that would trigger somebody to go, oh, I need this. I need to start thinking about security. I'm assuming breaches would be, which is a yeah. bummer because it's well, after that, the fact. Yeah, no, that's a like, great
1: point. It's it's. The organization in between, you know, in between the, we're on the cutting edge of security and, you know, our, our regulator said so, um, those, those companies are the ones that said, Hey, we just saw this other company that's kind of like us, um, lose business for a month because ransomware took them down, right? They couldn't access their key systems to deliver to their customers and and even, you know, just have their website online selling whatever they sell. So that's that's definitely compelling to them to say, okay, what can we do? And often they fall back on various frameworks. It may not be, you know, a PCI level disc- prescriptive. Um, here's what to do to secure your organization as a minimum bar. But there are company, or organizations, I should say, not a company, but like NIST and uh, and a few others um, like CIS, um, the Center for Information Security. These organizations are are just third parties that try and give overall best, uh, best practices and, and guidance as to how to secure your organization. And, and here's, you know, from the cloud to your laptops to servers that you have in, in your own building, how to secure them, you know, what kind of sy- system configuration to use, what kind of technology to put on top, and, and how to build out a security operations center. They have all of this guidance and that's usually what people fall back to because if you're worried about a breach and you don't have a security team, you have to start somewhere and, and that's often the best way to go. And it's also another thing as marketers that we can say, here's what part of NIST or CIS we help you with. And, and again, not saying, you know, you're, you're completely fine. We got the whole thing because no company no vendor does. Um, But often that's what they want to hear. And, and that creates, you know, that, that gets you into a proof of value and and they're moving on, but they're talking to five, 10 vendors to try and hit their list of 12 requirements that they were, that they have from that, you know, set of best practices.
0: Gosh, it seems so overwhelming.
1: (laughs) I can only imagine it is because usually when I when I meet people that are a security team of one or five, it, it absolutely is. You know, they, they, have to, they have to set the top priority. They have to, they have to then go and justify it to, to their management team and say, hey, this isn't going to make our, our company more agile. It's not going to make us you know, deliver faster to the customers. But here's why we absolutely need the security um, purchase and, and what it will do for us and, and why it's worth this amount of money.
0: I imagine nowadays it's a little bit easier to justify the cost because it it's becoming a selling point to the end user, right? Like if you don't have security yeah. proof points in place, but you house a lot of their personal data and you're not being very clear about what your security policies are, I feel like there's going to be this shift in the universe where... That's well, to there's really a, yeah, matter. and
1: it's and it's even a, a common question in RFPs for other, you know, IT type of technology, software, any sort of purchase, you'll get in an RFP and there's an entire section to how are you securing this data? And that's in business to business, but in, in B2C, it's the same sort of consumer wants to know. And, and you probably have a web page and a trust portal on your website saying, if you're a big enough organization saying, here's why we won't give away your personal data, but also how we're protecting it. Um, so it, it does. Um, that is one way to justify it. Definitely. Um, and that, that certainly helps them, but it's still like how much is the right amount to spend is, is it, is an ever growing challenge that they they face? Like, okay, but you, you need this tool and you just bought that one last year. Why is that not enough? And it, it it's not an easy process and it's something that, they, it's it's great when you can assist them um, with this kind of business justification. And, you know, when don't just send over a blank spreadsheet of a proposal for pay this amount, but here's how to, you know, here's what you'll get and what we found with other pe- of your peers, um, how they've justified it, how um, they've you know found an ROI, how they've calculated that. Because you can't just say, hey, if, you know, there's a 1% chance you'll be breached and that'll be a trillion dollars. It's like that is meaningless to people. You know, it's it's more of, you know, this makes our job easier. We can't hire fast enough. This makes it so we don't need as many people. We can go with, mostly with the people we have today, things like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I imagine this actually comes back to the problem you were talking about earlier, where it is really hard to hire, especially in these niche sort of technical aspects of finding people with even these skill sets that don't even exist yet. So it sounds like the technology is a great way to potentially, I mean, you can't just, I feel like this is such a problem in MarTech all the time. We're like this technology will just take care of this problem and we'll set it and forget it. And it's like, (laughs) no, please don't do that. I imagine, especially with security tools, it's not set. Yeah. I
1: mean, I, I won't name any of them, but I, CRM vendors are the perfect one. We're like, this is the best and it's in the cloud. So you're all set. And it's like, okay, but then why do I need somebody to spend six months customizing it for me? And that's, yes, um, investing in u- user experience is important for us as a, as a vendor to try and make it faster to deploy, less less effort to manage. But there's never a just click this and it's completely installed perfectly It's not, you know, it's not like Pandora's service where you you say, I like this band and they'll play music forever. You know, that's, that doesn't exist in, you know, in the, in the technology space where you're every organization is different. They all have different, you know, laptops, they have different people. Like it it always takes some sort of customization and adaptation to their, to their organization. And uh, that's, that's something that, that is definitely a, a challenge that they they have to face most of all, but we have to try and help them with, and it's not a marketing problem. It's a uh, it's a technology problem. It's a product problem.
0: Yeah, and it's a, um, even once you install it and get it set up, you can't ignore it. You gotta, and that's where the team yep. comes in and, and there is overhead to that. And it's, I imagine there's some, you know, when they're talking about budgets, I imagine those budgets grow pretty quickly, especially once you get insurance involved and who's dictating what you need to what needs to be secure. Yeah, um, yeah these are big hairy. Well, that's scary and costs. and again,
1: what what you just mentioned is why you will never catch the attention of a security professional if you say your tech is all they need because they know they need there's they've always people always talk about the 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 pyramid of people process and technology for security. And they know that people in process are the most important too. Tech has to fit in. Um, if if you just sold them technology, it's just going to sit there and not stop any ransomware attacks or anything else that they're worried about. It has to be managed. It has to be something that you know can be interpreted by a human on the other end to act when they need to or not act when they don't need to, and uh, and that you know fit into their overall just ongoing program security is a program in a company. It's not, you know, it's not a technology stack, just like marketing, yeah, <laughs> marketing yeah. stack. It does nothing on its own, you know? So is
0: security becoming its own extension within an organization or does it roll up under our IT or does it start under IT and then eventually break off? I'm just trying like, it, it, this sounds like it's becoming its own, Entity.
1: Yeah, I mean, for years, um, security reported into IT. Um, It was almost consistently you'd hear a CISO, Chief Information Security Officer, would report into the CIO, the Chief Information Officer. Um, That's not 100% of the time anymore. Um, Sometimes they report into a CTO, somebody who is, you know, the company is so, tech is so important to the company. Uh, Maybe they're a high tech company. Um, that security needs to be a part of the overall development process and, and the thinking of day-to-day operations. Sometimes they report directly to the CEO because it's just security is um, such a common topic with the the, the board of directors. And uh, and we're hearing more and more that you know boards want to know what's the security approach, what's the spend this year, why you know why do you not why are you not worried. That, you know, whatever newsworthy security um, issue was recently in, in the news, um, why are you not worried about that? How, how are we making sure that we won't be that name that's in the news for that negative reason, right? We won't be impacted. And as that becomes more of a, a, a board conversation, you have more you know business minded CISOs, more um, CSOs, where they don't even have the information anymore in their title, as Chief Security Officer. Um, more of them and are, are just reporting directly to the CEO. Yeah,
0: I feel like that makes a ton of sense for where this is headed. Yeah, I, thank you, Matt, for sharing all of this information with us, really, about the buyer. I think as we all try and understand, like who we're trying to to market to and what problems they're really having, especially, and to your point, I mean, two years for them to buy a tool from starting to ask some questions to actually pulling the trigger and making a decision um, and understanding where that trigger is of where that budget comes in is a, is a great pinnacle of um, really helping them out and being there and available when they're ready to to make those t- tough, t- tough decisions of like, yeah. Who am I going to go with? And what problems are they going to solve for me? And how many tools do I need? And how much is this going to cost us? I mean, those are big challenges for these for these security CISOs to figure out. And um, I love your approach. And I think it's so human and so real and really what they need. So thank you um, for sharing that with us. It, for anybody who's looking to get started, um, whether that's selling to these buyers or even for these buyers who are starting to think about security needs, you know, what's sort of your last piece of advice for them?
1: Um, I mean, it's, it's tough to have just one uh, leave behind, but um, I I think it, it is very much the, um, if you're, especially I, I can identify much more with the people trying to sell to them. I would say not, not necessarily go to a certification program, but go somewhere that those buyers go. Um, go to you know uh, Sands Institute is just one example, but there's a lot of places that have third-party security training, and and that's if you want to sell to them, you should know what they're learning and what they're hearing. Um, otherwise, you know you you won't be speaking their language, and they're just you're just going to be one of the thousand vendors vendors that are sending them an email saying, hey, can I get five minutes of your time. And I was like, no, (laughs) what do you do for me? Why would I spend five minutes with you? You know?
0: I love that. And you mentioned it in the very beginning too. So I'm glad we circled around and you gave us the name of the Institute. If you think of any more, be sure to send them over. I'll drop them in the, in the show notes. Cause I, I think. Anybody who's listening, who's trying to figure out how to get into security and knowing that it's a big market coming up and people looking for jobs, it's a great place to start for sure. So so good. Before we wrap up here, I do have my people first questions, because again, you're a person who is more than a marketer. So it's nice to just get to know you a bit more. Are you ready?
1: Sure. I think, okay. So. <laughs> I
0: think so. Okay. First question for you. Have you picked up any new hobbies in these last few years, given COVID and the, the new order of things?
1: Um, That's a Great question. I mean, I I definitely have done a lot more lawn care than I ever thought I would. Uh, You know, when you're kind of isolated to this small plot of land as opposed to traveling. Um, I've, I've listened to podcasts, which I never did before. Um, Mostly, you know, walking the dog and having a home gym when I used to have an actual gym I would be a member of. So, I wouldn't say it's like any one great hobby. Um, I I, I, w- I do cook a lot more. I'll say that. Um, it tends to only be on weekends, so I don't help that much. But um, I, oh, I have yeah. gotten really into cooking like different dishes and from scratch. Uh, one, one that I just was curious to make. I recently made a chicken marsala that came out, you know, really authentic. And that's not the most <laughs> challenging thing. But, uh, you know, I'm just kind of diversifying the kind of foods I've been making.
0: You have to share the recipe with me and uh, and some of your favorite podcasts as well, so we can share those out.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely.
0: Thank you, Matt. This was awesome. I appreciate you joining me.
1: Absolutely, it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, thanks for having me.
0: That was my conversation with Matt Hathaway. If you'd like to hear more from Matt about how better to connect with your audience, check out our roundtable. Link is in the show notes. You can also find Matt on LinkedIn. Be sure to connect. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. If you found this conversation with Matt helpful, please like, subscribe, and share. I appreciate the support. This episode was brought to you by MKG Marketing, our agency that accelerates the mission of cybersecurity vendors via SEO, digital ads, and analytics. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG Marketing. Music mix and mastering done by Austin Ellis. And if you'd like to be a guest,
1: please visit MKGMarketingInc.com to apply.